It's the Saturday Friends Club. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome back to another episode of the Saturday Friends Club. We are here. It's Saturday. Yeah. Saturday. We're all back here. Uh, so, yes, welcome back. We are uh, we are having a wonderful time. I hope you're having a wonderful time. Uh, it is uh, Saturday is the most relaxing day unless you're working. In which case it's not, and we we salute yeah. you. We salute to all of our our people that work on Saturdays, the 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 wonderful peoples whose goes on and do not get the Saturdays off. I am Josh. Who's Across the table we have a Mags. Hi, I also work on Saturdays. Oh, I, I feel you. I feel you. You, you are the brave veteran of the weekend wars. Uh, yes, Mags is with us, uh, uh filling in. We have, uh, this is another, this is the second show, but we were able to, to, to get Mags in to talk about the, the topic of the day. So and, good to oh have Oh boy, you. is it a topic. Yeah, it's something. Uh, are we, what, 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 what is that in the, nati- in the native, uh, for, uh, the native language? Le topic. <laughs> yes, exactly. I believe that's Le exactly. Topic. Le topic. All right, you're, we you're, have. You're coming down too hard on that consonant. You need to speak like you've sort of lost your tongue. Oh, I've been away from the mother country for too long. Uh, we have. Uh, let's see. Go, have Eric over there on the other end. I, I too, my previous job, I had to work on like, on a weekend, and it really did suck. Weekend jobs are the worst. Uh, I I had on calls. Oof. That, oh. that's pretty bad. By the way, I'm Josh. Hi. <laughs> the host of this show. How you yes. doing? I, I, I mean, we're all hosts. Let's be honest. Hi, this is a roundtable. We are we are robots that are made for people's amusement. Beep boop. I am a robot. Robot. And that, sex and that robot. robots. Sex robot. Sex robot. Oh no, I didn't know it was that kind of show. I'll just make my way. Out. <laughs> uh, we have Martin here. Martin robot. Beep boop. I used to work on the weekends. I'm talking about Westworld, guys. <laughs> Beep boop. It was awful. Okay, and then Sabrina's here. Beep boop, I have also worked weekends. If you have never worked weekends, you're not a human being. Exterminate. Beep Send boop. the robot. Exterminate. 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 Uh, that's copyright. Whack we have weekends. to come up with a different Exterminate. term. Actually, I think Dalek's Exterminate whack weekends. Wait, no, Dalek's are technically Doctor an organic who? being. Yeah. So, it just undercuts that entire premise I that I started. <laughs> Your face it is does. a premise. Well, I mean, you could try it with like a Cyberman approach, because like, they're mm. trying to dehumanize humans, right? Is that what the point of those guys were? Because I mean, it I, resistance on the is futile. Wait, those it, are Borg. Yep. Yeah, but, but the Borg are pretty much Cybermen. Cybermen so, Cyber. but like way better. So, so speaking. Wow. Uh, anyway. Yeah. So Cybermen. Speaking, speaking of sci-fi from across the pond and and, and robots, the French. <laughs> so we the, have the city of lost children. Yes. yes. Um, I, it's Mag's I, choice. It was, and uh, I'm not. <laughs> <sad>. <laughs> I'm not sorry. Don't worry. This, I mean, this, is, a, this is a safe place. Say magnifique. We're all friends here. <laughs> it was oppressively French. Say magnifique. It was very, very French, very French sci-fi, very surrealist. This is, all right. I, I will say, in, just in relation to our previous episodes, this is French in the way that Ripping Yarns is British. Yes, it is. Yep. <laughs> Stiflingly so. Um, so tell me, City of Lost Children, why the hell did you watch this so much? <laughs> why, why did you bring this before us today? Okay, so uh, this was, a, I want to say it was like 2004. It was right before like the Hellboy movie came out. And I was at a period of like extreme Ron Perlman fanishness. <laughs> and so like I, I had just gotten like, or somebody had, I forget, I had access to a Netflix account that wasn't mine. And somebody agreed to, to, to get this DVD for me because it wasn't like it was going to be showing anywhere. It was like the height of like the post, uh, like as we started to go to war in Iraq and everyone was like very anti-French. You remember Freedom Fries and stuff? Oh, yeah. So like I, there was no way I was ever going to uh. find this movie otherwise. And somebody finally like was like, yeah, sure, I'll whatever. Just get it back to me quickly so I can go back to watching my stuff. And I watch it. I was like, this is so weird and so cool. And I'm such a nerd. And like, I look at all this steampunk wasn't a thing i knew about then i guess this is like half steampunk half diesel punk but i was like look at all this cool stuff that doesn't exist and 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 nobody ever wanted to watch it with me so i had to make y'all i will say though you say like remember freedom fries i still order whenever i order them i say give me freedom fries and if they don't then i put them under citizen's arrest (laughs) actually actually funny enough um but back when blockbuster was still a thing 
um, I kept seeing this movie in the sci-fi section, and I kept going, I really want to see this. You were welcome. I really want to see this. And then I think we did rent it, and I started watching it, and then for some reason I stopped, like, partway through, and we then, it was too late, I had to return it. So, <laughs> so past you was trying to make a concerted effort to avoid this movie. You no, I really it wanted like... no. I really wanted to see it. It's just I forgot what happened. I wasn't able to watch it, and then we had to return it back to Blockbuster. I, I mean, so. I definitely think it's one of those movies like people put on their 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 queue or their list. I'm like, yeah. oh, I should really watch this, and then never do, and you just watch 18 seasons of whatever. Whatever you're yeah. actually binging. You start. You, you might get to it eventually when you start watching the first five minutes and it's like weird and fucked up and you're like, uh, I'm going to go watch something else. Um, well, no, back then I was really into French movies just because I was taking French when I was in high school. So I was trying to kind of like work on... Because, because I am not in France, the only way you could really get it is by listening to like French music, watching French movies... Um, I believe around that time there was another French movie that came out about werewolves that was actually kind of big. Oh, Werewolf in Paris, yeah. No. <laughs> That's not a French movie. I mean, are you sure? I, like, I thought it takes place in Paris? Isn't that in France? But it's not a French movie. Ratatouille. It has werewolves. It is in France. <laughs> I don't, yeah. So, in other words, you were consuming all of this French media and content and trying to vicariously live as a French woman in the United States. Yeah, I was really into the idea of French and Perry and all Being that other cool stuff. And Gay Perry. Paris, Paris is kind of a toilet. I, I mean, she's still she's still trying to today. She had French toast this morning. Wow! <sighs> stop it! You are so un-American. Just like those are really personal details, Josh. <laughs> yeah. Like boundaries. P H I, Josh. P H I. What? <laughs> Private health information. Wow. Uh, so, so nice. Yeah, cool. Uh, <laughs> Excellent segue. I'm glad yeah. we had that conversation. Um, you yeah. know, this movie actually, like, I started watching, uh, so, like, I won't say, like, I'm an expert in French cinema. Or I uh, tried to adjust my glasses that I'm not wearing. Um, uh, I do that all the time. Would you like time. to borrow my glasses? No, that's fine. I, I uh, um... But yeah, so like uh, this kicked off watching some other French movies, some other movies by these directors, you know, Delicatessen and Amelie, but also some more classic French noir stuff that, I don't know, like, it, was, it, was, it was all really cool and stuff that I hadn't seen before. Mm. And, um, you know, like I grew up raised on a diet of sci-fi and just like weird shit. <laughs> so this was like perfect in like a totally weird uh, way. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and get into it. Let's uh, let's really sink our teeth into this let's, meaty, meaty. Let's slice into this baguette here. Yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> this let's, charcuterie of a movie. Let's take in the olfactory Pops. experience. Let's, let's have our cake and eat it too. I really should have brought a <laughs> bottle of wine that could uncork like another bite. Like that, go in there. Have it with a Let's, beer, but we can do that post episode. Let's take a long drag from, oh, our, from, our, thin, from our thin black cigarettes. I don't know. Suddenly, I'm filled with ennui. I'm not sure I can go on. <laughs> well, let's do this. The city of lost children. The City of Lost Children is a 1995 science fantasy drama film directed by Marc Caro and Jean-Pierre Jeunet. Written... Uh, there's too many French names. I give up. I give up. Oh, I give up. Re- I, just, I love There's a Ron the ca- Perlman. The cast and credits is just a smorgasbord of French names. Well, obviously, if it's a French film. Yeah, the only American on set was our beloved Ron Perlman. Oh, our boy. Our boy, Ron Perlman, who, didn't, who doesn't speak a lick of French, memorized these lines phonetically, and by all accounts, speaks his French very well. Hmm. Yeah. So you gotta, be, you gotta be real proud of Ron Perlman here. America! Crazy. Fuck yeah! Good, good, he, good job our, there, Our Martin. Ron Perlman is a... <laughs> Very handsome boy. He belongs to the world. I mean, like it is like he, he's he's gotten like I think actually he looks fairly. Uh, this is maybe uh, like uncharitable, a... but like he's a very unfortunate looking young oh, man. He he looks he... like a gargoyle. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like as 
he's aged, like it's it's sort of yeah. evened out into just like rustic. Yeah. Like it's good definitely looking. evened out now that he's older. Yeah, so. no, but he's very unfortunate. He uh, does unfortunate have a weird... looking as one. He, he just has oh, oh oh no, break break break. Broken arrow, broken good arrow. Thing you weren't wearing glasses. <laughs> oh god, ow! What what? <laughs> it fell on my foot. I wanna praise you. What the hell's the name of that song? I used to get annoyed anytime it came on the radio. Like in the nineties, I think. All right, so where were we? I don't. I don't know. I, I don't actually remember where I was before the mic attacked me. The the night the mic attacked. Oh, I think we were just doing. Oh right, yeah, I think we were just. Uh, all right, so uh, hey guys, we're back. We um, were talking about Ron Perlman, our our dear Lord and Savior, Ron Perlman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. Perlman, twenty twenty. And a mic attacked. Yes. Yeah, it, it wanted. It, it was like, listen, of all the Ron Perlman movies, of all the ways that you wanted to, like, you could have started. You could have started the strongest. You could have started Hellboy, or and been like, oh man, Hellboy, isn't that great? But that's too easy. Hellboy is super good. He's no, good. Or like how he was the best Batman. Or like he was, he was the best part of the Batman voice acting cast for all of the cartoons of our childhood. Uh, he was Slade. He was um, Clayface. Like he did a lot of great voice acting work. He was uh, one of the premier uh, prosthetic actors that we have. Like he was uh, the Beast in Beauty and the Beast and the TV's Beauty and the Beast. He was of course Hellboy, and of course I had to do the one where he wore weird sweaters. <sighs> oh uh, yeah, I forgot he did the TV Beauty and the Beast. Oh my God, that's something else we got to do. I totally forgot about it. Just- I didn't. I'm, I'm sorry. I only ever caught snatches of it. I would be happy to watch episodes with you, obviously, but I don't have grand nostalgia here. I used. Oh, I, like, I was really young when I was watching it before, so I don't really. He's in the movie Drive. It's good. Hmm. Everything set up there? Yeah. Well, I just wanted to make sure we had a cable in a weird spot. Anyway, uh, so of all these things, of the of the wonders of Ron Perlman. You brought us a bizarre, slow, weird French film. I, I did. All those are redundant. <laughs> <laughs> no, bizarre doesn't necessarily mean slow. I didn't think this movie was t- was that slow. I no, I, slow. I think it yeah, was just... no, I don't think slow. I definitely think like bizarre, surrealist, and French are all appropriate. It, it was non-linear. That's the way I would categorize. Yeah, no, I think yeah. definitely like this movie wasn't about having a tight narrative structure. It was about um, exploring these characters and exploring the theme, and yep. like that's fine. Yeah. So let's uh, let's give a a bit of the plot as we uh, let's as, talk about our lo- so, non-linear uh, narrative our, in a linear way. Our one our one sentence description: A scientist in a surreal society kidnaps children to steal their dreams, hoping they will slow his aging process. There you go. Uh, that's like a, th- a, th- I mean, a quarter like that's, of the that's movie. That's a case of like technically correct. Um. Yeah. Like it's not that he's like it's not that he's. Like, he's not, he's aging too fast because he doesn't dream. So, like, yes, he's trying to steal their dreams to stop his aging process, but it's not, like, for immortality. It's so he can be normal. You know? And, I like, I think that's an important detail is that he's trying very hard to be normal. Mm-hmm. And, so like, he, yeah, he can, fucking up everything else around him. So he can look like less of an absolute vampire? Dude, like, he's an amazing figure. Like, they do a real, like, the casting here is, is excellent. And that, like, nobody's, like, in American movies, like, even, even, like, your disfigured people are, are often, like, no, oh, amazingly attractive person with a scar. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, like, these people have just amazing faces that yes. are, like, incredibly expressive and very, like, like, just, just who they are. There's not, it's not a case of, like, oh, and look at my, my minor scar or, like, fucking Gerard Butler's phantom face. Like, that's totally surmountable, brother. Like, you're fine. Like, these people are, like, he just, like, he's he's uh, skinny and bald, and his face is incredibly angular, and, like, he's just, the way his face moves when he, he makes expressions is just... Oh, he looks like Count Orlock. Yeah, no, he's, it's fantastic. It's, it's lovely. It's terribly, uh, like, it's it's a beautifully terrible. You well, know? Or, or, like, well, Orlock, like the vampire. I thought his name was Olaf. No, that's... That's, that's, that's the snowman from Frozen. Unfortunate, isn't that a series of unfortunate events? Olaf, Does that count Olaf? Is that who you're uh, thinking about? I was oh, going, maybe. I was doing yes. a deeper cut. I was going for like the original, like Nosferatu. Yeah, yeah, but, no, like that, that, yeah, like that, that, like would look really well in sort of like white face makeup against a dark black. Like yes. it's mm-hmm. very severe. 
and and like yeah, like I think I mentioned earlier, like everyone in this movie looks like Willem Dafoe. <laughs> yeah, like that. I'm I'm willing to do crazy things with my face, even though I, I know it makes me not attractive looking. And I think like a lot of uh, especially Hollywood movies, that's not allowed. Like, right. At yeah. some point, you always have to be. Like, you have to look good, and these people are, like, hurting and angry or, like, uh, scared or confused or whatever, and they look like they're very that, instead of, like, oh, I'm I'm classically trained uh, and a, an incredibly conventionally attractive actor, and I might be slightly confused, you'll never guess, you know? Like, these people are extreme um, representations of what, what they are. It is a more authentic experience. I wouldn't say authentic, because it's very surreal. Like, I don't know anybody who makes these faces in real life. Right. <laughs> you know? Like, I would love to meet this person. They would be my match for, like, always feelings at ten, you know? But, uh... It, but is, it is authentic surrealism. Yeah. It's <laughs> expressive. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very expressive. And that's one of the things <laughs> I like about it. Um, and it's got all... It's jam-packed with all the tropes I love like hard ass kids yes. and like you know like especially like the little girl who has no feel like that girl is going to grow up to be an assassin you know it <laughs> um and like like the big dumb guy who pairs with these children who know what's going on better than he does like it's just it's jam packed with all the stuff that makes my heart oh but uh, yeah i think the, the like the the plot summer we gave is pretty short but yes well i mm-hmm. have more here oh perfect all okay. right so starts with crank who is the highly intelligent but evil being created by a vanished scientist, is unable to dream, which causes him to age prematurely. At his lair in an abandoned oil rig, which he shares with the scientist's other creations, a six childish clones, a dwarf named Martha, and a brain in a vat called Ivan, uh, he uses a dream-extracting machine to steal the dreams of children. The children are kidnapped for him, for him from a nearby port city by a cyborg cult called the Cyclops, who, in exchange for he supplies with mechanical eyes and ears. Among the kidnapped is Denry, the adopted little brother of Carnival Strongman One. Who is Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman. Ron yes. Perlman. Our Ron beloved Perlman. Ron Perlman. With, like, one of the goofier haircuts, but it works. His, his face is real freaky in this because he's young, but his face is still, like... Very high relief map mode. <laughs> Very craggy. Yes. Like I feel like it's it's actually evened out. Like unlike most people, it's evened out as he's gotten older. But yeah, his, that's but fair. his face is a PS one level model. Like, right. Just, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my that is that is a little. Cool. Cool. Listen, I did not say Nintendo sixty four. He's I'm been being he's been good. subdivided since then. So oh, yeah, it's, <laughs> he's definitely on the block. I side. mean, he might be getting towards the late age, maybe into PS two, but. He's striking. He's yes. maybe oh, he's not a pretty man. Hands, he may not be like handsome, well, not traditionally handsome, but he's very striking. Yeah, no, I yeah. mean, like, and he's in, he could take any of our asses, like, oh, hands God. down, one hand tied behind his back. Do you see when he, like, when he's like bulging in those chains? Yes, here, please. When you see him? Yes, please. <laughs> he can take me down anytime. I won't mind. <laughs> oh, yay. His weird gargoyle face. And like... Josh is just left. <laughs> Josh is like, I gotta go. Josh, you gotta go. You gotta go gargoyle up your face. Yep. I mean, I mean, the chance of that happening is very slim. So I don't know what you're mad about. (laughs) But he's just Ron is taking you down. You're not looking at his face anyway. Look, at at the end of the day, Ron Perlman is an alpha, and you're a beta, Josh. I'm an alpha. Shut up. I want to be an alpha male. Uh, uh, well, start 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 you're, like you're, working for some like some French child like child thieves on the street. Exactly. <laughs> Find some child thieves who have even less of a heart than you do. No, yeah, I have too big of a heart. Yeah, clearly that's your problem: compassion and human emotion. Exactly. <laughs> you All have right. to discard these trivial things. Well, <laughs> after the carnival manager is stabbed by a mugger, one is hired by a criminal gang of orphans run by a pair of Siamese twins named the Octopus. I liked them; they were cool. Oh God, I love like there's this like they're French, so you see them smoke, and like one sister pulls in the smoke, and the other one exhales. Oh, it. that was so yeah, cool! I love so good. I love like all the little things in this movie. Like it's wild and weird, and the narrative doesn't necessarily. <laughs> Yeah. Follow. But there's always something like interesting to look at that, like, oh, dude, oh, oh dude. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, for on the note of the Siamese twins, I really liked that kitchen scene when yes. they were actually yeah. cooking. That was yes. so cool. Just oh, like, oh, like, like just yeah. one taste it, and the other was like, need salt or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just like, does it right there? And, and they're so working coordinated. together. It's so cool. And obviously, the, like the actresses who played the octopus aren't Siamese twins, and they right. had to build a prosthetic third leg, and that's why you never see her walking in any of the full-bodied shots, right? Because it was impossible to walk with it. 
which is also kind of funny when they actually when when I think um, one of the cy- the cyborgs came in and they was tr- they was trying to uh, to bribe them for some information and they kicked the leg and it's like oh <laughs> that's so good. There's like this movie is so full of like little details that sort of carry it uh, like like forward and like make this world really real. In a way that um, I, I think, like a lot of movies, and I think that's that's the thing that I really appreciate about this film. It's like it really does pull you into this world. You feel uncomfortable and at times just questioning what it is that you're seeing, but you're just like you're so entranced by just the whole surreal picture that you're seeing in front of you. You can't, you just can't stop looking. You're like, well, we're, God. We're, we're talking about this like as we get into this plot summary. Just think about it. Like visually, this movie is very it's a it's a dark, like kind of fantasy dystopian. It's got that kind of like everything looks like it's kind of like a Tim Burton like uh, Sleepy Hollow kind of camera filter going on. Right. So um, I read this on IMDb and it's plausible, but I couldn't find the information anywhere mm. else. But apparently, what they did was painted all of the actors in really thick white face makeup, and then color changed, color corrected, so that everybody had flesh toned flesh again. Um, so that's why the, the colors are like ever so slightly off, and like why Ron Perlman's hair is redder than it is. And, like, Wally, these colors are, like, sort of weird. But, like, it's also sort of this love note to the city that doesn't exist, this time period, this history that never really existed. Like, you see bits of, like, World War II-era technology, mm-hmm. um, sort of, in, in the use, and uh, mixed with stuff that was going on in, like, the 30s and the 20s. And, like, so it's this very, like, this never happened, steampunk, diesel punk sort of thing. But, like, it's all gorgeous and amazing, and, like, I just want to see more. And for a film that is very clearly, like, this has never happened, like, it feels very alive. Right. And it's one of the things I love most about it. So let's see. Moving on, uh, one is brought on to steal a safe. Uh, the theft is successful, but the safe is lost in the harbor when one is distracted after seeing Denry's ki- kidnappers. He, oh, together with one of the o- orphans, a little girl named Mimet, or Miette? Miette. 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 Okay. Uh, follows That's, his. I believe that means forget. I forget. But, like, there's a scene where somebody <laughs> says. Uh, well, I guess we'll get to it later. Oh. Uh, Miet follows the Cyclops and il- infiltrates their headquarters, but they are captured. Meanwhile, the octopus orders circus performer Marcello uh, to return one to them. He is one of my favorite characters. There's, there's a fun guy. Oh, God. <laughs> so so they've been captured, uh, Miet and one, and the elaborate setup they have to feed them to the fish are they are each standing on a plank over the... the bay the port whatever over the over the water mm-hmm. and on the other side of the plank weighing it down is a giant basket of fish for each one and i'm like how many fish does ron perlman weigh step one that basket is not big enough right but so the way that like they are they tip over is that seagulls come and eat the dead fish and then like once enough fish have been consumed they fall so it's incredibly elaborate it's like some bond level like i'm going to make you swim but first here's some elaborate plan i created (laughs) right it does feel like a video game level like so here's your timer ron perlman is weighs 500 fish we have a a bar up here that tells you how many fish the seagulls have eaten you have to rescue them by whatever now do this quick time event or is the french cut le poisson (laughs) (laughs) oh jesus Um, and so marcel is uh they reveal the octopus used to be a sideshow performer with Marcel, and like the painting shows her uh, shows them as these beautiful young women who are attached um, at the hip and the leg. Um, and so Marcel comes over, and he's got a trained circus flea who carries a nozzle on its face with um, like a rage virus sort of green liquid, and he. He gets the flea on a dog. And this cool French Mastiff who looks at door. There's a lot of great dogs in this movie. Um, the French Mastiff goes over to where, like, the, the Cyclops dudes are, are chilling out. The flea jumps. Like, and he's playing that, like, Calliope Pretty music. Dirty. Yeah. Um, and the flea jumps off the dog onto one of the dudes, drops drops the, uh, the sticks him with the needle, essentially, and then, like, bugs out of there. Pun, pun intended. Bugs, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then the guy goes uh, mad and starts beating up his fellows, and then uh, Marcel gets in a boat to rescue. So he can like yeah. use his flea to inject people, and then like they do some great like mid '90s CGI. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's like it's- very close, tight close up of a CGI flea yeah. on, a, on a CGI skull. Yeah, and scalp. And, and and the thing, even when the um, when the Cyclops uh, dude 
is uh, turning on his teammates. It's a kind of a, a very slow, methodical process too, because the the, um, the 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 Cyclops henchmen have wow. these uh, eyepieces, and so the eyepieces goes on one well, uh, over one of the eyes. Well, they're, and they're, then, they're all blind. Oh, they're so all yeah, like they're all blind. Where they, you pluck out your eyes, and then in return you get like a hearing device, and in like your left eye socket, like this thing that helps you hear and gives you like a sort of like very uh, green black computer display vision, yeah, like echolocation-y sort of thing. It's all right. So, so um, the guy who's gotten the ejection turns on his guys. He goes to one of them. Oh yeah, and just pulls off. <laughs> it's like the, incalculably cold. Yeah, it's so cold. He just pulls it off. Pulls off the little uh, uh, the screen, the pro- like just the screen, just yeah, the glass. Yeah, just the, just the glass itself. And then he takes a knife and then he just. Oh, and it's oh, it's so. Oh, is, so is that deadly. any worse than when he puts his own vision in yeah. the other guy's head yeah. and allows him to watch himself being choked? Yeah, that's right? like it's just like serial killer level <laughs> shit. Like it yeah. is d- d- dark. Yeah, it is very dark, but also kind of awesome. Yeah, like um, like yes, like just uh, uh yeah. That was a cool like horror movie kill. Mm-hmm. Yes. That is that was that was awful. Um, the uh, so let's see. We have um, he uses as we mentioned uh, that Marcello uh, uses the trained fleas to secrete a poison that causes mindless aggression to turn the Cyclops guards against each other in a horrible fighting scene uh, where they murder each other in horrible ways. One mm-hmm. of them murders three or the uh, other two, two. two. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like it's. And like it's not like it's not mindless aggression. No, it's, it's no, just it's, like indiscriminate. It's so cold and calculating. I just love it. Really lo- is. Like, like, really his face. It's not like going and beating him. It's just like methodical remove like, I the wonder, connector and given just given that we see it used again later. Like I wonder if that is like if that's a reveal of like this person's character. This is how he's always like this is always how he does violent like violence like he's always just been sort of like cold and inhuman and this was just like oh well this is an easy excuse. Like, I wonder, because it's not how the other person it happens to later mm. acts. Right. So, let's see. The uh, how So, uh, pretty much, it turns the Cyclops guards against each other before rescuing one. However, he leaves behind Mimet. Or Miet. Miet. He leaves Miet behind, who almost drowns before... And an amnesiatic diver saves her under the harbor. Yeah, that was a weird scene. <laughs> yeah, it was a weird scene. I like, he ties a label around the button on her shirt. Like, that tells you, like, like one, that it's the day before St. Jean's Feast, which is uh, June 23rd. Well, the, the feast is June 24th, so this is, you now have a date for the movie. It's June 23rd, never. Um, uh, and then, like, tell where he, where he found her, and then just, like, wanders off. Like, da-da, that's the end. Yeah, but, I mean, it's really cool when he brings her back into his little uh, his little station. And, and, and his characteristic in this point is that he collects all these artifacts in the city, all of these things that have been discarded, and then so carefully and purposefully catalogs them and places them in areas where you could see it. And it's just, it's, 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 it's a, um, one part terrifying, but another part kind of OCD. And you kind of appreciate that. Well, like, the fact that he always forgets, like, this makes sense. This is how he reacts to his trauma. Yeah, exactly. Because like, he says, like, they're, they're forgetting their history. Right, so he's externalizing his own fear of, or his own inability to be able to recall things to the entire city and trying to vicariously collect these artifacts and ensure that the memory of the city is not lost and in turn his own memory is also not lost. I thought it was interesting that him, uh, like, in that, with that beard, looks, like, uh, looks kind of like a French Robin Williams. <laughs> he, he really does. Yeah. Well, uh, let's, let's break from the plot summary here because there is also two stories going on which this doesn't even mention because we have to talk about the things that are happening over at the oil rig which also kind of happen in tandem with everything else so it's a bit of back and forth Uh, so we've got the things going on with let's see uh, we have Irvin, who is that brain in a vat, who uh, oh, has him. migraines. Irvin has migraines, and migraines. also uh, he's trying to, you know, he knows that something's bad, and he's trying to be like, hey, you should stop doing this. This is bad, you know, and telling that constantly to Crank. Who is who is kidnapping, or paying to have children kidnapped, to be clear, to recap. Crank is an evil scientist in this oil, this oil rig who is having children kidnapped and trying to use their dreams, right? So, like, but... What happens is Crank puts himself in this machine where he's experiencing the dreams at the same time. So he goes into the children's dreams. 
Um, and he's just terrifying to look upon. So, of course, the children's dreams become nightmares. But, like, the interesting thing about this, and I think it's kind of important, is that Crank also experiences the nightmare. Like, he's an evil scientist who is experiencing the pain of his own, um, his own misdeeds. You know, and I, like, I think that's kind of interesting and fairly unusual for, like, mad science villains. It's usually like, you're trying to play God and step away. But no, he's trying to be human, um, and he's failing so hard. Hmm. Uh, and then you have the weirdness that is the six clones. Oh, God. <laughs> who have narcolepsy-ish. Have, yeah, have convenient narcolepsy. Have very yep. odd narcolepsy. In addition to the, a little bit of, like, one or more of them thinking that they are the original clone. Original. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to figure that out. Uh, and then the, dwar- as they list, the dwarf, let's just call it little person Martha, um, was t- giant triangle hair. Yeah, no, uh, and and they, I think at this point, they've already told you, like, sort of the story is that there's an original scientist who's really smart, but really lonely, so he makes himself a wife, but um, he makes himself a little person wife, Martha, uh, and then he tries to make them children, which are the six clones, um, and, but they're, they're, they have a sleeping disease and they're not very smart, so he tries to make himself a companion partner, and that's Irvine, like, a, a, a conversational partner, someone to be smart with, and that's Irvine, but, like... He's branded a jar, and he has migraines, and so he tries to make someone else to talk with and be smart with and do science with, and that's Crank. So, like, there's, a, like, a complicated history here, like, and, 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 like, there's a lot of relationship dynamics and sort of Crank, um, despite also being a clone, um, is sort of, like, the, the, all the other clones call him boss, like, he's got this upper structure issue, uh, and, like, he's, things sort of run to his whim. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the reason why the clones want to all want to be the original is like they don't have anything that's their own, right? You know, and so like to be the original is something that would make them important, and it, everybody wants that. It's kind of ascribing that that level of power, you know, they're all trying to be that to which they, um, that to which was the the uh, the most valued uh, the, mo- the the most valued child of the uh, of the of the scientists. Yeah, like just to be different, just to be recognized. I think. Yeah. <laughs> True. So, and like Irvine says, like, why does he get to be the boss? We all came out of a, uh, a test tube or whatever, anyway. Right. He's he's the he's the mean one that needs the dreams. Yes. Yes. Uh, all right. So, uh, at this time, we've got those two things. So let's go to Miette back. Uh, so ends up leaving the diver's lair to look for one, uh, and Marcelo both dr- and finds one, and Marcelo both drowning their sorrows in the bar because, well. <laughs> They left they Miet she, to die. Yeah, and they think she's dead. I, I will point out that like this, like it was. It wasn't until not long. I can't remember exactly when, but around the end of the movie, when I started thinking, like this can't be a kids' movie. Like it's it's not. It's not. But yeah. it, like it, it comes across that way initially. Like I think when he started stabbing guys in the eye, that was a bit. That was like, uh, okay, maybe this is not a kids' movie. Well, I, I mean, I think it does because it's sort of you sort of have Ron Perlman like ones. Uh, is childlike. Yeah, like, and he's sort of your initial in on this, and he's very childlike. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I think you sort of naturally go there, and like, it has a lot of dreamy feel to it, right? And like, we often think of dreamy. Th- I don't know, like, that all feels childlike. It is, and then like a guy's getting stabbed in the eye, and there's just like, you know, tits in Ron Perlman's face, and <laughs> oh, so that bar scene. I mean, that's that. Oh yeah! Wow. Okay, so so at this point, we're at, uh, Ron Perlman thinks Miette has died. So Marcelo brings him to a bar to get drunk and pay a prostitute to sleep with him. To cheer him up. Which, like, great friend. Um, uh, well, we see him like, previously, like, wasted on opium and, like, a bunch of other stuff. So, like, he's, he's just like a, he just knows how to party. Right, yeah. like, this is a guy that, like, I would like to hang out with. Yeah, he's a cool um, guy. So, like, there's, there's this, this, like, very French... Um, a uh, working woman who is trying to like get Ron Perman, Ron uh, one like drunk and interested, and like he's clearly like just not having like he's drinking, but he's like not getting the the attraction thing, um, and and like he's he get caught up look or he gets caught looking at or caught up in looking at um this this woman's uh, breasts. And she's like, yes, they haven't failed me yet, which is close <laughs> enough to Miet's name that he starts crying again. And it's like, oh, buddy, buddy. <laughs> There are ways to cope with your sadness. <laughs> uh, but but he's so childlike that like this is all over his 
his dumb meaty head. Right. So, and then Miette walks in, like, very jealous, which is, like, a note of the movie I didn't notice when I was younger that like it sort of feels like she's grooming him and i'm like that's uncomfortable a little yeah. bit there's yeah th- there's two points where it's just like hmm, hmm. i understand little sister but hmm. uh all right but uh so getting to that particular point to cons- upon seeing miet uh, alive the remorseful marcello lets one leave with her However, the octopus confronts them and on the pier and uses Marcello's stolen fleas to turn one against Miette. A spectacular chain of events. A ridiculous, really, really ridiculous chain of events triggered uh, by one of Miette's tears leads a ship crashing into the pier before one can throttle her. What the hell? No, it's very, like, it's very clearly a- like this isn't. Um, this isn't a realist movie. No, not at all. That I mean, I didn't think it was a realist movie, but this is just like, I, there are more like, there are less elaborate Rube Goldberg devices. I was about to say, it's very Rube Goldberg. And like, it's coincidence after coincidence after coincidence. Um, additionally, Ron Perlman has said repeatedly that the fe- the, the scene in which he's choking me at uh, is the hardest thing that he's ever had to do. Aww. Which, all, yes, I would also. Sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Would not want to do that. Um. Yeah. And on that dark note, <laughs> mode of sales Ron, for Ron, Ron Perlman. Perlman, yeah, throttling a small girl. Uh, let's see. So the spectacular events causes that ship to crash into the pier. Um, Marcello leaves and s- sets his fleas on the octopus, allowing one and Mimette to escape to continue searching for Dinri. Which is Don also Ree. delicious to kind of see the fleas take. Exact the revenge on this cruel, cruel woman. And then to, f- and to see the octopus fight among themselves. Yeah. Like, uh, it's it's just, yeah. yeah it's it great. Was, it, was a, it was a neat, a neat like, part of that scene. Yeah, like, sometimes this movie feels like uh, a chain of events. Like, oh, you know what I want to see? All right, well, let's make a movie where that happens. <laughs> you know? And, like, and not, like, in a, a lot of movies, you, like, it's, there's filler in the middle there. But, like, this works out really well. Like, they have these sort of set pieces, these things that are going to look really cool. And these scenes that are going to, like, be fun to watch. And they have, like, interesting things that happen in the middle of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is one of those things where somebody's like, you know what I want to see? I want to see somebody turn that dumb trained flea circus thing into, like, a weapon of assassination. <laughs> and I want to see... A Siamese, tw- uh, like Siamese, tw- a set of Siamese twins fight themselves. And there you go. You you know, got if, it. You, if yeah. you if you keep this going, you get a giant spider in the Wild Wild West. Right, right. I want yes. you to know. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no, I will no. say that, like you're saying, everything in this movie is uh, is a choice. It's like there's a there's a very very obvious like art design going on. Mm-hmm. Like everything is very like designed. It's deliberate. And I yes. like I like that deliberateness. Yeah. No. I mean, like, uh, it, it's definitely a statement of, like, this is the artist's intent. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to Crank's oil rig. Meanwhile, on Crank's oil rig of horrible dreams, <laughs> Irvin gets one of the clones to release a plea for help in the form of a bottled dream, telling the story of how they were created. It reaches one, Miet, and the diver, and the latter remembers that he was the scientist that made them. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. And that the oil rig was his laboratory before Crank and Martha pushed him off to take it for themselves. They all converge on the rig, the diver to destroy it, and the duo to rescue Dunry. Donry. I'm, try- I'm trying. I'm trying. It's Dan French. Day. It's very weird. This movie had a lot of weird Dan elements Day. of comedy in it. Like there were like cartoon logic scenes. Yeah. No. And like there's, uh, like I don't think at any point do you see like real like, uh, like American films at the same time are very like gritty realism. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one is very clearly like dream logic, cartoon logic, game logic. Like these are the sort of logics that define it. But I mean, I just kind of. I kind of characterize it as at times just delving into absurdity. It goes oh, absolutely. Into, oh, yeah, just the most absurd possible situation that you could create. And then going for the contrast of, you know, kind of dark and very you know, uh, very grim, very serious. And then out the other end, you just have this ridiculous, crazy scene, such it, as that cri- weird <laughs> Christmas dream <laughs> with, it, it, it with the screaming children. And that was fucking freaky what was weird also like like because we mentioned this earlier this movie felt a lot like brazil if you've seen that movie well they are the the director is 
say this and Delicatessen are both like homages to a Gilliam movie. Yeah, huh. Gilliam. Mm-hmm. Like they're directly inspired by Gilliam. Yeah, they're that like, makes yes. A lot of, like, fisheye lenses on crazy people as they, like, run around rooms full of, like, weird whirring machines and... Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's got some Gilliam uh, visual aspects, like, certainly. Oh, yeah, certainly. definitely. Like, that is part of its heritage. Yeah, it's, it's such a, like, it's goofy at times, and then it's like, but it's still dark in most places. Right, but it's not and- grim dark. Like, it's dark and funny. Well... I, I think that there are certain parts that are certainly dark. Let's say uh, one particular part we've already talked about where somebody watches himself be choked to death. Uh, and the next one, which I was like, Jesus Christ, which is when Miette was almost killed by Martha only to have the di- diver harpoon her in the stomach. Oh, yeah. Ooh. From behind. Like, yes. surprise. So, like, this is the wife that he made for himself who kicked him off the oil rig with one of his sons. Um, and then, yeah, he just harpoons her out of nowhere, which is maybe a callback to the fact that, like, one used to be a sailor, um, but he's so, he's such a softy that he heard the whales sing and he couldn't harpoon them anymore. Aww. 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 <laughs> he just needed to hear Martha sing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was just like, whoa, oh, whoa, okay, like, he's going her, for it. Yeah, and then, and then, like, Martha's dying action is to tell me at what corridor to walk down to trick her to watch a walk over a thing where like she tries to like do that thing where you pull a lever and the floor falls out. Like, like she's still like hardcore Martha or Marta. Like she's still in it to win it. She's dying, but she's holding on to this dream. Yeah. <laughs> I think only like, only the clones are kind of like the buffoons. who don't really like, they're just kind of along for the ride. Yeah, so at this particular point, uh, there was that trap. One falls in it, but Marta or uh, Miette does not mm-hmm. because yeah. of that. Uh, so she then finds Denry asleep in Crank's dream extracting machine, and Irvin tells her that to release him, she must enter the machine herself. In the dream world, she meets Cranks and makes a deal with him to replace Denry as the source of the dream. Crank fears a trap but plays along, believing himself to be in control. Miette then uses her imagination to control the dream for a, and turn it into an infinite loop, destroying a, Crank's mind. For a totally normal and not weird at all scene, in which he... <laughs> no, he like, no, but it's, it's a surrealist sci-fi he, movie. He, like, reverts, mm-hmm. he reversed, like, his Picard stage. <laughs> so, like I, like, I feel like uses her imagination to destroy Crank doesn't really reflect what happens. Like, I, I, for me, it felt like a very clearly, like, Crank thinks he's in charge, thinks that he is control. Um, she takes Donry's place, and now it's her dream. She's in control, and she takes this. Like, this is shown by, like, her holding Crank's hand, and her growing older, and him growing younger, to the point where she's an old woman, and he becomes, like, a, a near infant, or, like, a toddler. So, like, like it, it makes sense to me that the whole point was that he was afraid of growing old too fast, and, like, this is a thematically important moment. And then describing it as, like, she uses her child like powers of imagination. Like, I feel like this is, like, it's a little more complicated. It takes away it takes away some of the significance of the scene is what you said. Yeah, no. And, like, I don't feel like it does it justice. But, yeah. So, like, she she holds his hand and she, like, starts to get older. And you're like, is that just a camera trick? Is she looking more like him? Like, and then what's going on? And then, like, suddenly he's trying to reach the there's a lever or like a pull knob in the room that like it's a stop switch and he can't reach it now like no longer is he in control ah! right. yeah it is creepy as it's weird though. as hell all yeah. right yeah yeah <laughs> like you're, you're selling me on it and i'm remembering it and it's just like yeah that was screwed up oh this yeah this movie is screwed up this- yeah <laughs> yes yeah yes. that was pretty weird yeah yep. yep. it's a weird weird french movie i'm watching uh, then we finally, let's see, uh, one and Miette rescue all the children while the now deranged diver loads the rig with dynamite and straps himself to one of the legs. He regains his, sen- he regains his senses uh, as everyone is rowing away and pleads with his remaining creations to come back and rescue him. But a seabird lands on the handle of the blasting machine, blowing up him and the rig. This, and then a very abrupt ending. Yeah, this movie just stops. Yeah. <laughs> and what was the moral of the story? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Movies don't have to have morals. What no. are you like the uh, the team that wanted to put lessons learned on the end of Sailor Moon episodes? Listen, <laughs> like, I watched the. Wait till we get to the Sonic episodes, where Sonic <laughs> says, "Is that every the end? Look, I need a moral." 
I need Wheel a of morality spins our turn, turn, turn. Tell us the lesson <laughs> that we, we must learn. Like the, the, wow. like the wheel of morals from Animaniacs. Like, what's the rest of this week? But no. Um, but yeah, that ha- pretty much uh, the the diver is such a weird character because it's just like I created this. I want to blow it up. Oh no, I remember more. I don't want to blow you up, even though I totally. Sh- Killed somebody a moment ago. Like a hot minute, just harpooned somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, this is a weird movie. <laughs> Perhaps it's a weird movie. It is just surreal. There's no other way to put it. This is a bizarre ride from point A to point B, and it takes so many twists and turns. You don't know where it's going, but at the end of the day, you're just left with this weird, weird feeling. I will say be prepared for this movie because if you are tired you will find yourself exhausted. And if like, you are I exhausted, don't think it's as nonstop as something like Moulin Rouge, which really just doesn't give you any time to breathe. Right. right. Yeah. Like it does not also give you a ton of time to breathe. Like there's something always going on on screen, which is something I like. You know, I like that there's always something to look at. Uh like it's a little hard because um, I don't speak French well enough to not use the subtitles, so you have to like come back and focus there. It sounds like but, I like, think Martin and I watched it with the dub version, right? How, how was the dubbing? Uh, it was okay. I've never heard a more ringing endorsement. I mean, there was some inconsistencies with some of the. A few parts were a little flat, but I would say it was pretty good overall. Like, yeah. I mean, there was some difficulty matching the 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 dub with the uh, with the actual. I mean, but that's yeah, and all that. But and then and then there was like this weird accent that they gave one. It's just like completely oh, yeah. out of place. Wait, can you can you imitate that for me? He, he, he just has that? he just sounds Russian. Yeah, he just sounds Russian. Everybody else kind of sounds British, but then like just fucking random Russian accent. I guess what, like they assume that like Russian sounds like you're dumb. Right. Yeah, I think that's the idea. Is that it's going against like it's going against a trope of like the 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 dim witted Eastern European. Yeah, the slow. We were talking about yeah, that earlier. The, 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 oh. like the Slavic strongman, the heavy oh. from Team Fortress Two, I am looking who for kills you yet. with bullets. Uh. You know that kind of that kind of uh, representation. I really wish it had been Ron Perlman just doing a Russian accent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Ron Perlman phonetically yeah. learning right. French lines with a Russian accent. Yeah, that would have been kind I, of oh. amazing. That would have been kind of meta. <laughs> he, that would have been. Yeah, I'm sure that there would be plenty of people who'd be like, "I do wow. my own. I do my own dubs." <laughs> I was surprised they didn't Perlman. let him do his own dubs. That's strange. I mean, dubs he is kind expensive. of a famous voice actor, so yeah. it might have cost too much. Yeah, it was this, possible. Was he still like a relative unknown at this point? I mean, I, mid nineties. Yeah, because it was made in nineteen ninety five. I don't. So let me see what he was in before then. Well, he was in Beauty and the Beast, but like he was wearing a lot of. I think this is one of his first roles. I mean, it was well, his he, first starring role. He's got a lot of face area to apply prosthetics to. I think that's why they keep picking him. He's got <laughs> well, so many like valleys and features. Like it, it adheres well to right, his face. And it's not like until he got older, his face smoothed out. Like it wasn't like you were losing a lot. Like, putting prosthetics on an actor who has a famous face is like, oh, where, whoa, what are you doing? Okay, so, ah, he did have a, a known role that would be 1984's The Ice Pirates. I've never well, known even to heard you. of that. What the hell is that? It's known to Wikipedia. No, it, no, that's good. The Ice Pirates is awesome. I've heard, oh, he's also on, uh, like, Quest for Fire is a movie that I have, I have heard of. So I've if I, never. I, the only thing I'd, I'd known that he'd done before this was Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, so mm. Quest for Fire, The Ice Pirates, The Name of the Rose, Sleepwalkers, Chronos, Romeo is Ooh. Bleeding, uh, When the Bow Breaks, The Adventures of Huck Finn, Double Exposure, Police Academy, Mission to Moscow... Wait, Wait, but he was Stephen, only a voice actor in Stephen that one, King wasn't he? Sleepwalkers? Or was that one of the cartoon ones, uh, or was that a, let me see. a real live one? Sleepwalkers, 1992, it might be. He's a, a Yes, cr- Stephen oh. King's Sleepwalkers. Oh, Kronos, I didn't know Kronos that. is another movie that's like is like this. It's a kind of a weird, dark, gothic fantasy kind of movie. Yep. Mm. And then Sensation, and then The City of Lost Children. And then just a, a year later, The Island of Dr. Moreau. Jeez, with with, with our boy v, uh, VK. Uh, we, we, we just did Willow. I know, I'm so sad that I missed it. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I gotta earn Scheduling. those dollars. Podcasting is fun, but... Money is money. Weird. Money is money. Uh, Alright, well, uh, anything else about the City of Lost Children? We did mention there's a video game. It's it, it's a pickup and... Famously terrible. Well, famously mediocre, I it, guess. Yes, it's yeah. very. it seems very mediocre. It is run over here, find this thing, use it on thing. 
it's it's a two out of five star game so. yeah like i think somebody was like yeah it's a six on metacritic or something like that it's like yeah that feels about right yeah four Works, out of ten five functional i mean i'm i really i enjoyed this movie quite a bit and i did find it at times a little hard to follow but overall it was and the dub kind of made things a little bit weirder i think i might have appreciated it more if i had watched in the original french uh, uh french language with the with the subs but oh yeah i don't know i don't know how the dubs are but like the yeah. when they speak like the french actors are like just like they just like you can hear like the, the spittle and the, like they just go hard yeah it's very french i think that would have definitely helped with my own personal emotion but overall i think the the, the movie's fun to watch that still that's that that scene <laughs> the scene with just them in the room with all the kids in the uh, in the cribs and crank dressed up as this horrifying santa uh, right. with he like what, know why he's scary yeah and he's just trying to trying to create this beautiful moment for the children and it's just slowly and, and but surely spiraling out of control as he's mouthing the the lyrics to this weird french vinyl opera <laughs> it's just so freaking bizarre really like it's a song about father christmas it's like it's, essentially like him coming in there and singing like being dressed up as santa and singing as santa claus is coming to town yeah and then like everything the children's being terrified yeah exactly the children are just screaming and you just get this this like a cacophony of sound with like, the children screaming the music blaring at full volume and then the, there's like there's a couple of moments with that's, the clones too. that's a that was one of the more gilliam moments i think that oh, yeah. feels oh, like yeah. that's something so gilliam. gilliam movie so gilliam but it, yeah that scene was just like jarring yeah yeah, so if you like surrealist humor, uh, and you aren't terrified of people shoving knives in eyes, then, you know. They, they do it pretty clean, though. Yeah. Uh, Eric, yeah. what was your feelings? I like, I actually enjoyed watching this movie. It is weird, and it, it, it's weird, and kind of, it is, like, hard to follow, like Martin said. Um, but I would recommend it if you like that aesthetic, which I, I was, we were talking about this before, and I don't know if this is just a French thing, but they seem like I've seen a lot of French games and other bits of media that they, where they like a like gothic fairy tale motif like kind of or theme with a steampunk element kind of thrown in because I don't know how many games and RPGs and other stuff I've seen that are French that have that look to them and so mm. this really feels like it and I would say this is this is I'd say this is pretty uh, pretty good steampunk as far as it's, it is actually punk like it's a dystopia. Yeah, and like the, it's not that clean Edwardian yeah, fantasy. The clockwork kind of stuff is is there to emphasize how weird and shitty and dark the world is. So it looks cool and like I was like I was saying, like this movie is every inch of this movie has been carefully designed. And so it's I I thought it was very visually impressive to watch. Um the special effects for the fleas don't aren't you know don't hold up very well, but I don't think they're the worst thing that we've seen on the show. No, they're aging. No, I think they they mostly fit. And the rest I mean, of the Razix movie- Rough Riders is oh, hard. Boy. To- <laughs> oh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Shut up. I mean, like it definitely looks like CGI, but like it's not hyper realistic. Like it's just cartoony enough that I think it will. Um, unless you are particularly particular, I think it still yeah, passes and, and, the test. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the movie, I think, holds up pretty well visually. Right. Like it's a it's a nineties movie, but I thought it looked nice. And it's like it's just a look you don't see. Yeah, as I, if you like Gilliam movies, and I this this is a this is a I think you'll be better prepared for this. Yeah, the steampunk gadgetry is also kind of cool to take a look at. It's. You know, the, it's, the, they did a lot of work on the uh, set and prop design there. Yeah, it's, I really want there to be like a, a like a tabletop role playing book for this. Oh this god, this world, you know, this like one. it's sort of like a near paranoia level of of like like dark goofiness. Right, I think that that would be a lot of fun to play. Yeah, I, be, I would yeah. say that the clockwork and the steampunk elements, I think, were actually fairly restrained. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just totally overdone all over the place. Right. So. All right, uh, Sabrina, your feelings. I'm. I liked it. I thought it was interesting, but I'm also used to watching French films. Um, I thought You're so erudite. <laughs> well, I I don't know. There's just something Shit. about French films that I that I like, and I like the way the sound of the the language. So it's just something I enjoy. She's I mean, educated it, American. It's a sur for it's a sci-fi surrealist film. And it came out that way to me. I thought the story was interesting. Yes, it was quirky, but I expect that from a French surreal film. 
Um, I liked Ron Perlman's character. I liked the actress that played Miette. I thought she was really interesting. Gosh, she's some of my favorite parts of this movie. She <laughs> she did such a good job. Um, a a and, tiny adorable hard ass. Yeah, yeah like I loved her. Stabbed the shit out of you. Yeah. And um and yeah, the guy that played like the clones and the original scientists, like his acting was incredible too. And oh my god, some of the faces he made were just friggin' amazing. Um Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I actually I recommend it if you like weird sci-fi films, then this is definitely one for you. And you then I do recommend watching it. With just subtitles, I don't recommend... I never recommend watching anything with dubs, to be honest. I mm. feel like you lose a lot of of the translation. You do lose some meaning sometimes, and it makes things more confusing. Right, but, like, intonation and, like, the original director is going to be there being like, no, I'd like you to read this line like this. So I think, like, especially if you are really big into that, like, art as an expression of the artist and artistic intent, then, like... Uh, you know, sub through the way to go. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I, a lot has been said, a lot of things that I agree with, with this movie. Miet is very good. Ron Perlman is very good. There are some very good things. The hook never got me. Like, it's just, it's just too much of something, too little of something. Like I can't, I can't put my finger on it on exactly what i what my brain is telling me that it's like missing or has too much of i i just think it might just be a little bit too jumbled there there is a lot in this movie yes yeah there's a lot of feet like they try to deal with a lot of themes there's a lot of visual elements it's everything is kind of like magazines a lot of movement everything so yeah it's a very busy movie visually and like narratively but yeah, there's it, so many things like the the when they i mean some things that we haven't even talked about like some of the visuals like whenever they go into the cyclops den and the way everyone's like stood up oh, in that hallway cool. that was cool that looks was cool really as cool. hell like there's there's some really neat things in it but as as like the the movie itself i'm like i don't know it's just it has such a it has a, a, a an atmosphere but i'm just like for some reason, it's like it's like I, I I appreciate so many of the choices that were made, but as a movie itself, I'm just kind of like I just feel heavy when I think about yeah. it. There's just this weight on me. I'm just like, ugh. I, think, well, I mean, like I think that's part of the point, right? You know, like I, I think it's better. I, I think it is a better like piece of art and like visual art and everything than it is really script writing. Right. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah no, I, I mean, agree with you. I don't think you you I don't think you go to see this movie for the story. I think you go to see the this movie for the visual um, yeah. aesthetic and and uh, and ambiance that it creates. And yeah, like the it, this isn't like so like I, the movie that I immediately thought to compare this with is like Get Out, which mm. is like <laughs> also like an excellent movie and like but incredibly narratively tight. Like there's no extra extraneous anything in Get Out. One thing goes to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, and everything's very tight, very narratively driven. And like there's little clues and hints everywhere. Like it's an excellent, excellent movie, but it is a very different style. And it's like this. Oh, I wanted something else from this movie than you would get with City of Lost Children. Right. You know, like if 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 you like, if you're okay with giving up a little bit of like narrative tightness or like plot driven, um, like if that kind of tension is what drives you or what you find most enjoyable about movies. I don't think this is your your thing, but if you like things that are like objectively and um, purposefully weird, and like, <laughs> hey, I want to see what I can do with this, then you're probably gonna like this. And you're gonna have some really memorable characters. You're gonna have some really f- bizarre scenes, and you, it just kind of comes. It kind of br- when when it has those when it's when it's deep into the surrealism. That's when it's shining its brightest. Yeah, I think one of the things I don't like about this is that so much is happening that you don't get to flesh out things enough. Like, I'd really like to see more about Marcello. Mm. Like, that guy's had a good life. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not a good life. He's an opium addict, and he's crying all the times so that you see him. But, like, I, that would be an interesting... I would like to have I've seen that character more fleshed out. There's a lot of stuff I would like to see more fleshed out. But then you'd have, like, an eight... Then you'd have a miniseries. Right. I, and I would have loved to learn more about the Cyclops. Yes. Yeah, or like, yeah, yeah, or or the octopus. Like, I want to see like how did she become a fence, or how did they become a fence, as opposed to like, um, you know, saying what well, like what happened? What happened that they're that Marcelo and the octopi- octopus are no longer in 
like the circus like what happened like there's like it hints at so much more right and then not to mention the most important part of the film for me personally that dish that the octopus created we'll never know <laughs> if it was the most if it was the perfect culinary dish to win the cooking competition that was going on behind the scenes it, it was just fried zucchini. I'm sorry. Yeah, Fuck off. That's, that's this was it was so much more than it, that. It looked like salt. It looks like zucchini with a little salt and pepper and like oil. Yeah, I, I think garlic or something. But yeah, I'd eat that. Oh, yeah. I, I I'd eat it. Anyway. All right, Mags. Watching it again. Your feelings. Um, like I think I got a lot more out of it, like thematically. Like I, I was reading an article about uh, this movie is a statement on capitalism and like that freedom allows. Yeah, I know. Right. 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 But, like, if you're going to watch a French surrealist movie, you might as well put the effort in to read oh, some commentary. Right? Oh. So, but, like, there's a lot of stuff to think about. This movie suggests a lot of things. And I think now that I'm older, like, I can pick up yeah. on those and take those places. Right. Um, I don't... Like I said, I, the idea that, like, Miette is grooming one is really creepy. Like, get that Lolita shit away from me. <laughs> that misinter- misinterpreted Lolita shit away from me. That, yeah. weird, that weird kind of, like... Point where they're cuddling. Well, but well, I don't like, know if that's an um, just an American thing because Americans generally aren't taught to be as you know touchy like touchy. Have, yeah, and we're also way more like stranger danger than most most people. Yeah, mm-hmm. but like, like I think that one is very pure in his attentions here because he's a child. Yes. Whereas yeah. like Mia is a child who's had to be an adult, and she gets she makes him get a tattoo of her name that says Mia forever. Like right. she clearly has intent. And I'm like, this is uncomfortable. I don't like you painting children like this. This is... Mm, mm, this is going to give people ideas like when they read Lolita and think that it was her fault or whatever or that she wanted it. I'm like, clearly you missed the point. But, um, but yeah, that makes me really uncomfortable now as an adult. Um, I, I but think... like, I still... I, I, I really like it. And now that I more know more about like movie making and, and, and sort of pieces of that kind of uh, style of art, like it's really gorgeous and i really just want the tabletop role-playing books for it now like i want to be able to play in this world you I mean, know i mean uh, yeah i mean like the like uh, through the breach which is like a malifaux game is c- like kind of like this but with like magic so i don't know it's also french so <laughs> <laughs> i mean i do want to point out because i'm looking at the wikipedia Ooh. it does say that the costumes for this movie were designed by jean-paul gaultier who is a very famous French fashion designer. Dude, one's jacket, like the navy peacoat thing with yes. the buttons? Yeah. I was nice. that. It yeah. will it be was nice things nice. to my on shoulders. Fleek, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. God. <laughs> and Wait, Miet's, just end it now. Miette's <laughs> dress was super cute. Yeah, and Miet's, her sweaters yeah. were really cool. Yeah, yeah. Miette's dress was actually really nice. Yeah. No, I mean, like, this movie's just pretty, and, like, sometimes you watch a movie like this where, like, they're clearly trying to show off. They have certain pieces that beats they want to hit, uh, and like other things just happen, but like uh, like Eric said, like it's been like very clearly like everything in here was designed. Everything was clear. Like it's just like it's fun to watch again and catch things in the background. It's fun to watch again and be like, oh hey, I didn't notice that this was leading to that. Like it was. I uh, recently I watched rewatched Moulin Rouge with some friends of mine, and I hadn't seen it like literally years. I was like, oh, why did I even like this movie? <laughs> and I have the opposite experience watching uh, Chil- uh, uh, City of Lost Children. Wow. Hmm. Moulin Rouge wasn't wasn't nearly as sexy as you remembered. I, the sexiness, like I just like singing and feelings, and but that, yeah, all that shit. Yeah. yeah, love, 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 love. I, I, McGregor, I will where point did out you go this, so wrong? This movie had a budget of eighteen million and made a cool one point seven. I was Ooh, about yeah. to bring that up. This film tanked. Yeah. I mean, Roger Ebert gave it three stars out of five or something like that. Now, like, granted, re- that is 1.7 in U.S. box office, so we don't but know international could have done well in Europe because it is a European movie. It has an 80% fresh rating of Rotten Tomatoes. Yes, well. But there's plenty of movies that are highly, rega- are highly regarded, but they're not box office. like. Yeah, and exactly. When it came out, it wasn't as well received, and then it got re-released, and people were like, oh, hey, maybe we're a little wrong about this. Right. Yeah, I'm a little curious. Let me check some other places. I'm curious what my trusted source, Box Office Mojo, says. No, worldwide, 1.7 million. Aww. Oh, ouch. And eight, 18 million in, in 1995 is nothing to snuff at. Like, yeah, that's... This was an expensive movie for a foreign movie, too. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, but these were, like, trusted directors. I can see how they would have 
like somebody been like, I guess, yeah, no, Delicatessen was famous and won yeah. awards, and this is surely gonna. Uh, we have the director from Delicatessen. We have Ron Perlman. Uh, <laughs> surely oh, this will bring in the American. We have eyes. this weird fucked up visual design. We'll put it all together. It will be great. It'll be great. Yeah, they had. There's, be... there's no listing for foreign, but they're obviously it did get released in Germany and France. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it said Box Office Mojo says it got 1.7 worldwide. Damn. Well, that's worldwide, but it, the, if the listing says domestic has the 1.7, foreign is in A, because I don't believe the foreign was actually calculated at that time. Hmm. Huh. So, yeah, I, I think that number is a little bit off well, because there obviously would have been like a European audience for it. In, in France, though, was this, con- this considered like an indie film or was this considered like an actual big... It's definitely not an indie film. These are two famous directors who oh, okay. make... Uh... They, so they were already famous by the time they made this one. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. All right. Yep. Yeah. So it may not have been as much of a flop as the actual numbers show, just because we don't have internet, we don't have real international like listing for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that has been the city of lost children. Any last takes? Three, two, one. It was like a beautiful ratatouille. Oh my god! <laughs> no. Good going. No. <laughs> you want? You are French. You might understand this movie. All better. right, come on. We gotta go take a. Gotta go take Martin to the docks. I got. <laughs> who's got the fish? Yeah. <laughs> I've got a. Bu- I've got a bucket of fish heads. Roughly his mass. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Uh, that has been the city of lost children. Uh, thank you, Mags, for bringing this in. Thanks, so we Mags. Can have Frenchophone. Thank French you for not beating up. me up over it. No, no, Francophone. no. Yeah, no, actually, no, yeah, so, like, I, I, I'm glad, I, I don't think I'm really gonna, like, rewatch this, but I, like, I enjoy, I, I'm glad I watched it. It was interesting. Uh, I might borrow some visual elements, uh, just for game writing and other stuff, because it's, like, it's got, like, visually very cool. So. Yeah. yeah. It was no Razak's Roughnecks. <laughs> Thank God for the rest of uh, us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note. And on that note, that'll take care of us for this episode of the Saturday Friends Club. Uh, you can go find us over at Twitter at Sat Friends Club. Uh, it also has the linking for most of our Twitter accounts. Uh, you can go over to satfriendsclub.com, which is where you can find the website with all of our listings. And we are on iTunes. We are on all those fun places that you can download podcasts. So you can go check us out there. Uh, and if you like our show enough, we do have our lovely Patreon subscribers that get awesome stuff like uh, the pre-show stuff uh, listed there so you can listen to that and we do fun things there's a discord chat that you can be a part of and you can pop in and say hi to us uh you know you can do that at any time uh and that's just it's awesome and thank you all for for listening and spending the time and listening to uh, a weird french movie about stealing children and nightmares <laughs> so yeah uh, that's, that's i mean that's a very french thing Come on. Oh, yeah. of course i mean the french are all about nightmares yeah, yeah. and yes. speaking of nightmares Next episode is The Secret of Nim. It's not a nightmare. No, it's not a nightmare at all. A little little spooky, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely spooky. I definitely have children. You know, it is. It gets spooky. It definitely had children. (laughs) There were sequels no one wants to talk about. No, no, (laughs) Uh, we, we do not mention the sequels. No. All right. So that'll take care of us for this week. Uh, we will catch you next week where we were talking about mice saving their houses from the evil farmer's plow. Uh, till then, sleep well, everyone. Bye. A good night. And good luck. Bonne nuit. I hit this button.